if you follow the fireproof model, you will have more time on your hands to do other things. I promise you that. Money back guarantee. Um, but it's what you do with those, that extra time that's the important thing. Some people want to work harder. Some people want to go out and get more cases. Some people want to, you know, play more golf or spend more time with their children or travel. The beautiful thing is you get to pick. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Answering Legal Everything Except the Law podcast. I'm your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Today, we're joined by the founder of the largest personal injury law firm in the state of Michigan. Uh, his firm gets over 20,000 calls a year requesting his services, and now he's sharing some of his secrets to success in a new book called Fireproof, a five-step model to take your law firm from unpredictable to wildly profitable. His name is Attorney Mike Morse. We're so happy to have him with us today. How are you doing today, Mike? Good, Nick. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome, and I appreciate it more than, 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 you, than you appreciate being here. Um, but uh, so- No, I'm sure that's true. Uh, just, we could fight it. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit before. I, I told you I read the book. Um, and so- I kind of have more of an understanding of, of what you mean when you say this. So just, just as like a baseline, um, your whole shtick is that you run your law firm more like a business. And you say that the major turning point for your career is when you started treating your firm more like a business. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that means exactly and some of the changes you've had to make to your practice over the years? Yes. So I think that most lawyers are running around working as a lawyer, working to get cases, becoming busy, becoming successful to an extent, making money, and they get busy. And before they know it, they are too busy to focus on the business. And all they're focusing on is being a good lawyer, which is good in theory, right? But as you're trying to grow and scale and figuring out how to pay yourself, how to pay people, should you hire, should you go into other areas, should you go into other markets, how do you have a good meeting, how do you set up a good bank account, and a million other questions that every small business owner needs to have, I think that they, that gets lost. And lawyers get so busy working inside their business as lawyers that they don't know how to look on top of their business, on their business, and we've heard this phrase a bunch of times now, but it's working in your business versus on your business. I want to teach lawyers, that's what the book Fireproof is about, is how to work on your business. You got to have time to run your business, set up your business, and not just be a lawyer. And so many lawyers I talk to don't have that knowledge on how to run a business. Yeah. I, so you're like the perfect person to have on this podcast is because like I said in the intro, you know, it's all the stuff that you weren't trained for back in law school. And uh, I think the biggest thing that attorneys aren't trained on in law school is like how to run a business. You know, you go to, you go to school and it's either, you know, you can join a large firm and, and, and you know, you, you're kind of just a lawyer there. Or a lot of people, they, they go to law school with the intent of, of opening up their own practice and they want to put the, you, you can't really just do that, that whole, um, what do you call that, the, the sign on the door anymore, you know? It's, yeah. it's a lot harder than that. And I wish I had a paper copy of the book. I was a little late. I read it on the, the Kindle, but like, you're, you, you got it perfect. Um, so, yeah, Nick. Yeah. 
You like the book? Oh, I love it. I need to, I honestly, I need to get a paper copy of it just because I like physical books. But when I heard we were having you on the podcast, I'm like mad scrambled and I was like, I want to read his book. So I, I got it on the, the Kindle. 145 pages in one sitting. That was, that's a lot. Yeah, I'm almost, I'm almost done. But it was, it's honestly, and I, I want to say this to the people. I, I was going to say this a little bit later, but I, I sort of expected it to be, you know, when I read like kind of the synopsis of it and what you get into and how to run your business and all that, I expected it to be more of like a textbook and it's really not. Um, so I got to commend you on, on the intro was, was like great. It's just great storytelling, you know? And, uh, you talk about a lot of the stuff that set you back and how, you know, that, that sort of affected you. And then you've got all these great role models and, and you set the stage so well for, like why you are an expert in this, in this sense. And uh, so I really, I went into it thinking like, oh, this is gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit of it. But by the time I was done with like the forward and the first couple of chapters, I was so hooked and, uh, and I love business. So everything you were talking about, like I wanna meet your, uh, your is he the COO, John? My COO, yes. That, that guy and me would get along like two peas in a pod. Nice. Um, and I just, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, I'm going to ask you about it in a second, but it's called Fireproof, right? And, and this, the name is, is, is not just, you know, a figure of speech. It was inspired by a pair of crises that, that took place with your firm. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about those incidents and how they pushed you to write this book and sort of where the book got its name from? Yeah, so I had a lot of bad shit happen to me. Uh, Growing up and through step parents and, and getting fired from a job. And then I had a literal fire in my law office. And three years later, I had the guy who was sending me all my business literally fire me and stop sending me all that business. And so, but yet I'm still, I was still able to bounce back and make my firm, you know, really successful and really profitable and really predictable. And about a year and a half ago, a friend said, why don't you write a book on this? You love to teach. I taught a few years at law school and my dad was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. And um, I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. So I partnered with my, uh, with my COO, John, and we started putting together a roadmap that we wanted to teach younger lawyers and lawyers who are struggling to scale really and turn it into a business on you know, to give them the blueprint how to do it because it's very foreign to most people. And people actually say to me often, like, why are you giving away all your secrets? And I don't look at them as secrets. I think I, I'm looking to make the world a better place and leave a mark on our, on our profession that I love so much. And um, I've met a ton of really cool people doing this process and speaking and being on podcasts and you know, people are calling me buying 150 books so they can sell it to everybody they know and lawyers and non-lawyers. It's been a really, uh, really wonderful ride. So that's the long version why I, I wrote it. Yeah, I imagine that people are like, why are you giving away all your secrets? And it's like, well, this is what I'm really good at. And I got to imagine writing a book like this is a lot of fun. And, uh, and everything you're saying, like people calling you up, they want to talk about the book, appearing on podcasts, and you get to make a little bit of money, you know what I'm saying? Um, to me, you know, it just sounds like a sweet deal. You get to help people. All that jazz. Um, and funny story. So 
I think this was like right before we asked you to appear on the podcast. Um, I got, cause like I run the marketing department here. I got a form submission, like a sign up on my website and it's from the Mike Morris law firm. I'm like, Oh, like Mike Morris, he must be like doing his research, all this stuff. And, but the person who signed up was Jan on the website. And while I'm reading the book, uh, you have the story about when you went to the first, um, sort of like a coaching session where you were, um, you brought your leadership team and you're like, I don't have a leadership team. I actually want you to, I, I want you to sort of elaborate on, on that because I thought that that was like one of the first things that you talked about that really helped you get started. But, uh, one of the people that you brought to the meeting was, was Jan. And I was like, Oh, Jan must still be there like 20 years later. So I thought that was cool, but tell me about, and this is, this is like one of the first things that you talk about after you get your business coach, right? Gino. Yes. Yeah. So, so you get your business coach and he tells you to come in and, and you sort of pick a leadership team. So give me, give me like an overview on, on how, how somebody would pick their leadership team, why you picked yours, what should they be looking for? And, and what sort of benefit does that, that bring? Well, I haven't met a lawyer, including myself who had a leadership team in place. Um, that's not how lawyers run businesses. Lawyers are lawyers. So when Gino said, all right, I'll see you on the 12th at uh, 9 a.m., bring your leadership team, I said, what's a leadership team? And he said, um, it's the people that you trust in your office. It's your partners. It's your high-value employees. And um, I lost your visual. Can you see me still? There we go. And so it's your high-value employees. And... I looked around and I had uh, a lawyer who'd been with me for a long, long time, Mark, Jan Rosenberg, who was a paralegal at the time, but she was been there for a long, long time. And my personal assistant, Lori, and that was it. And they weren't leaders. They weren't partners. They weren't managers. They were just hardworking, honorable people and who I trusted. So I said to them, come on, we're going to spend eight hours working on our business. And they're like, what are you talking about? The phones are ringing off the hook. I got 14 briefs to write. I got checks this. I can't do that. I gotta try. I'm like, guys, we're taking a day off, kind of, and we're going to Gino's office and we're going we're gonna to work on the business. Because they didn't understand at that point, Nick, that, that I was keeping it all in as the business owner. They didn't know that I was bouncing off the ceilings and I couldn't do any more work. I was working so hard, so many hours. And I couldn't find relief. And then I finally was smart enough to hire a business coach to help me. And it's a long story and I lay out most of it in the book. But the day I left Gino's office after that first full day session, 50% of my anxiety, of my worries, of my stress was eliminated. And I remember the feeling all those years later, this was 1990. No, no, this is uh yeah, I don't even know when this was. This is 2000, actually. This is to around 2005, 6, 7, when I first started getting the relief. And I'll never forget it. And I want everybody to have that relief. I want everybody to experience the freedom I have experienced to, to, to learn how to delegate properly as a lawyer, learn how to ask for help, learn how to have good meetings, learn how to use the data to your advantage, learn how to hire and fire correctly, um, find great candidates, all the good things to run a business that lawyers don't have time to do. So, and not everybody is going to, you know, 
read this book. The people who read the book, maybe 10% will implement things. Um, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping it catches on and more and more people, you know, start thinking about leadership themes, start hiring coaches, start really taking it seriously because their lives are going to be so much better. I think, and because I read a lot of stuff like this, um, I think even if you implement 10% of what you read in this book, you know, you'll alleviate at least some of the stress related to what, you know, related to what you actually change. Um, we were talking about the data and uh, one of the things, and I, I like this term because I call it like a scoreboard, but you called it the, uh, the jumbotron, right? The legal jumbotron. Yes. Um, let, I, wa I want to talk about how important data and numbers are to your firm and specifically like how you implemented this jumbotron, what, it, what you do with it and uh, how it's applicable to, you know, smaller law firms who want to make better decisions. So that's chapter three in our book. It's the longest chapter. John wrote most of it. It's probably the gem, one of the gems in the book. I had a call today from a lawyer in Atlanta who didn't know their numbers, wanted to hire John to do his little jumbotron forum. That's actually turning into a thing. John's in Ohio right now working with a firm since the book started doing some professional coaching. Um, wasn't planned, Nick. It wasn't part of the the vision, uh, but it's, it's happening yeah. and, 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 uh, it's gratifying, but you know, people don't know their numbers. And I asked, you know, I asked the same questions. I said, well, okay, well, what's your most profitable type of case? I don't know. Well, what's your average fee? I don't know. What's your average turnaround for a case? I don't know. How many cases have you signed up this week? I don't know. How about last week? I don't know. All right. How about in 2020? I don't know. How about 2019? I don't know. Now I could take this on and on and you get my point. Mm -hmm. And that was me when my father-in-law started sitting me down in the mid 2000s, early 2000s and asked me about my, my business. I didn't have any idea. All I knew is that I had money in the bank. I was able to pay bills and I, that's really it. You know, it, it, my secretary said, we need a new copier. Do we have enough money in the bank for a new copier? Yeah. All right. Buy one. There was no thought. Now, no matter what the question we run the data to see if it's a smart move, whether it's going into a new area, whether it's going into a new city, whether it's um, expanding practice, whether it's hiring people, whether it's how much should we pay, um, whether what are our projections for 2020, how much money are we gonna make in 2020? And divide that by 52 weeks and let me know every week if I'm on, if I'm on track or am I off track? Now, if I'm off track, more than two or three weeks in a row, I do something. If I'm on track, I can check that box and move on to the next issue because every week we all have issues and we're big at following up and, and we're big at accountability and we're big at solving our issues. And without the numbers, I have no idea how you do that. So my scorecard has grown from one piece of paper to probably 10. I look at it once a week on Tuesday mornings at 8:30, 90 minutes, same day, same time, never late. And if I'm out of town, I do it. And if I can't be there, my team does it without me. My executive team is now eight people. And um, that's where I know if, if things are going well or not going well. That's when if I'm sitting on a desert island uh, with, a, with a plane and a butler and a chef, do I, do, I have to sh do I have to shoot back to Detroit or can I stay for another week? The Jumbotron is supposed to tell you how you're doing in the game of practicing law. Just like a football player looking up the scoreboard to see how many seconds are left, how many timeouts are left, what's the score? All right. That's what it is for lawyers.
one of my favorite examples in the entire book, and, and I'm sure this is in chapter three too. I'm really bad. When I read a book, I never notice like when a chapter changes or like I just, and, and this was because your book was really good that I, I got so like, uh, like drawn into it that I didn't really know where I was at. Um, but one of my favorite examples is that the, the Jumbotron told you that there was a certain type of case that was coming into your firm. It was taking a really long time and it only made up like 4% of your revenue. And it took, it took way too long to do it. And so you guys made a great decision to uh, refer out those cases. And to me, I was just like, wow, that's, that's so genius. Like you don't actually even have to work on those cases. You could just make the referral fee. Somebody else is going to be really happy to have those. And, uh, and you were only able to figure that out because of the data. And, and the other I thing that I want to highlight, and maybe you can help me highlight this, is uh, you use the data and, oh no, this isn't the data. This is um, where you kind of ask people what they're good at and what they're not good at. So maybe I'll just shift gears here. So uh, you, you had, your, your business coach taught you this, is write down what you love and what you're good at, uh, what you don't like, but you're still good at, and what you hate and you're bad at. And in doing so, it was a good practice for you because you learned what you wanted to delegate because you don't like doing it and you're not good at doing it and you can find somebody else to do it. Um, but one of the coolest parts about your firm is that there will be, and, and I'll let you, there will be somebody who's like bad at, at, at going to trial, right? Or, or appearing in court, but he's really good at building up a case. And then there's, you know, this other woman who, who works for you and she's, she's, uh, she's really good at going to trial. And so they'll work together. One person will build the case. The other person will go to trial. And in that way, everybody's doing what they're good at. Everybody's, you know, happy. They're happier for having done it. And you sort of reap the benefits. So tell me, tell me more about how you would go about implementing something like that, even though I just covered a lot of it. But I, I'm excited. I read the book. I'm sorry. Nick, you did a good job explaining it. I guess the best way I can explain it, and I, and I haven't been asked about this in a while, but I do, and this is not something I've made up, but I believe that everybody has a, a unique ability. Um, and their sweet spot, something that, that they're great at. But the best part is finding that and finding out something, and if you love to do that. And if those two things merge, why wouldn't I have somebody doing that all the time? So I have a lawyer who's amazing at trial. He loves taking depositions. He loves working up the cases. The juries love him. And he's a, he's a, good, try, he's a good lawyer day to day, but this was his sweet spot and this is what he loved to do. Why not make him, let him try all the cases in the office or a lot of the cases in the office? I have a woman who works for me who after 25 years was burnt out of doing depositions, burnt out of doing trials, didn't wanna do it anymore, but she loves settling cases. She was very personable, she's very knowledgeable, she's very trustworthy, trust, trustworthy and honest. She loved the defense attorneys and the adjusters. And she said, let me come into your firm, Michael, and all I want to do is settle cases for you. Make the firm money. Close them. She's my closer. That's all she does. I don't know, the, know another firm in the country that has a person and then all they do is settle cases. Maybe there's other firms. I'm sure that they, there are. I'd love to hear from them. They want to send me an email. But anyway, those are two examples. There's, very, there's a lot more because there's people who just want to write who just want to research. And then there's law firms out there who make them do everything, even, they, even though they suck at certain things. I don't want people who suck. I want people who are working in the spot that they love and that they're great at. I do that for myself. And when you have extra time, you do other things that make you happy. 
and that make the firm happy or, you know, that make your husband or wife happy or boyfriend or girlfriend or kids or whatever, you know, you're going to, if you follow my model, if you fire the, if you follow the fireproof model, you will have more time on your hands to do other things. I promise you that money back guarantee. Um, but it's what you do with those, that extra time. That's the important thing. Some people want to work harder. Some people want to go out and get more cases. Some people want to, you know, play more golf or spend more time with their children or travel. The beautiful thing is you get to pick. So I've seen this time and time again from the people that I've coached through Fireproof um, well before the book was published, that this is all true. This has happened. And it's happened not just in the legal business. It's happened for dentist friends, architect friends, builder friends. I have a sound guy who does sound. He, he's changed his entire life because of, of the, these five steps that I put in the book. So I've seen it. I've seen it work. It works. And uh, hopefully your audience will get a lot out of it and be able to free themselves up to work in their sweet spot. That is, that is definitely my goal for having you on the podcast is, is, uh, you know, I don't have the expertise to teach people how to do stuff like that. What I'm just a really good talker. So I can kind of get you on here and and facilitate you, uh, teaching them. Um, another thing that I thought was really cool and I'm going to tell you this and you're going to be really flattered again. That's my job is to flatter you is, uh, I have a, a guy that I'm interviewing tomorrow uh, and we're doing a lot of video. So we're looking to expand my team into doing a lot more like professional type video, not just like a talking head or stuff like that. We're going to start shooting video. So I got this guy coming in and uh, I read the part of your book that talks about testing and, and uh, specifically like interviewing. And so I've long been like an advocate of, asking people abstract questions because I want to hear them talk. I don't want to just hear like, you know, here's what I did at this job and here's what I did at that job because I know personally I would be really good in an interview. Um, Like I could switch careers tomorrow. I could probably come like to your firm interview with you. And if you didn't have like a process set up, I'm sure I could get a job. I'm a good talker. I I would do good in an interview. I would do really well. And uh, that doesn't always work out for people. It's not a surefire way of, of hiring. And so the book has all these, um, tests that you do to, to make sure that people's personalities would, would sort of mesh with your, your firm's culture and, and all of the, uh, like your mission statement. And, and so I've crafted my questions in such a way that I've always gotten like the Google type questions. Like, Oh, if you were stuck in a blender, uh, and you were tiny, like, how would you get out? You know, I, I, I asked people like that, but there's one question that I really liked from the book. It's, uh, if you were an ingredient in a salad, what ingredient would you be? And, and the goal isn't really to get somebody to, you know, sound embarrassed. I, I want to hear their reasoning. You know, I want to hear, you know, what they think of themselves. I want to hear uh, if they're able to think on the spot and sort of give me, you know, an elaborate answer that, that makes sense. Um, and uh, I thought it was funny. I don't know if this is a real life example, but I, I agreed with the person. They were like, I'm the, I'm the salad dressing. I sort of bind everything together. I'm the flavor. I'm tasty. I'm zesty. And, you know, I like salad dressing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're picking up on the right point, but, but don't, you, you just don't lose the, whatever question you ask, you know, do they get what you're getting at? Okay. So like, if you could be an animal, what animal would you be and why? And I'm a lawyer asking a legal secretary, an assistant, a lawyer, you know, are they getting what I'm getting at? Do you feel me? Are you, are you, are we, are we vibing here? Right. If you say, uh, I'd be a dog 
why? Because I like dogs. Not a great answer. They're not getting what I'm getting at, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, you know, if they say I'd be an eagle, why? Well, because eagles are strong and they're brave and they're bold and they, and it's, they stand for America and I love America and I love being brave and I'm a kick-ass this or that. I mean, they know that I'm trying to get to know them. If they just give me some BS answer, then they don't, then we don't get each other. Yeah. It's almost like a little lazy too. Like you want somebody to put in the effort with you and, and, uh, and, and it's like, uh, it's sort of like the airport test. Like, can I, do I like this person enough to work with them? And, uh, and, and yeah, you want people to glean from a conversation what I'm, what I'm getting at. I, I get what you're saying. I get what I'm, I get what you're getting at. Um, I'm so corny, man. Uh, so on the other side of that, you have all these tests that you've set up. And uh, while I was reading this, I actually thought of my wife recently got a job recently, like almost two years ago now. And they made her take, uh, take a personality test. And she was so nervous. Oh, man, like, you know, they asked me all these weird questions. And, and it, they said it costs all this money. And I have to be on time and this, that, the other. I was like, oh, I think it's fine. I think it sounds kind of cool, actually. And I never really read into it um, until, I, until I read your book. So tell me what these, these sort of tests, and because it's not just personality tests, but tell me what these sort of tests help you do and, and, and tell you about a person and how they help you make better hiring decisions. Well, it's all, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a lot of detail that's laid out in the book, but you get a nice report telling you about the person and telling you about their personality and telling you how smart they are and what kind of decision maker they are and how honest they are. And, you know, you also, Nick, can set up benchmarks. So, for example, okay, there's a Wonderlick test that a lot of people have heard of, I'm sure. All the football players use that. Um, it's a pretty standard, well-known test. So I'm just going to use that one out of the 10 we use as an example. And it's, it's more of a, it's not an IQ test, but it definitely tells you how smart someone is. And my COO, John, who maybe you'll meet one day and, and, talk about all your geeky stuff, numbers and things. Um, but he likes to say to me, this person tested a 32, just like, and he names two or three or four other people in my firm. So I know that this person mine works like those people. Some people test very low, depending on the job, may be an issue, may not be an issue. And so just knowing how somebody thinks, how smart somebody is, um, it tells a lot about their decision-making process, how they like to be trained, um, how you know, neat or not neat they are. Um, but what, one thing that I was beginning to tell you, otherwise uh, you could do other types of testing. Let's say uh, you have three of the greatest secretaries in the whole world. All three of those could take a test. And then when you test the next new secretary, are they kind of close to where those three superstars are? And if they're way below, then that person's not gonna be probably as good as those three, right? And so that saves you, yeah, the test might cost a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks for all the tests, but how much money do you waste training somebody who fizzles out in three to six months? That's a disaster. So I'd rather spend the money up front try to make some better decisions. Now we don't usually not hire or hire based just on the tests. It helps us ask better questions during the interview process. And it's, 
it's just it's just a tool to go along with the interview to go along with potentially checking references which i don't do a lot of but it it it, it it's just a tool so we're not just hiring and firing on it but i like to increase my my chances of winning because i like to win and anything i can do to do that i do and the testing process has definitely helped me with that very cool stuff um so i don't want to keep you too much longer i'm going to ask you a couple more questions and then then i'll let you get back to your your busy life um but i think and i like to ask people this is like not only what's the number one takeaway from your book, but, and you talk about this kind of, is if you could go back 20 years and give yourself advice on managing a law firm, what would you tell yourself? I would say two things. I would, and they're, they're, yeah, I would, I'd say know your numbers, every number. And I would say hire a business coach early even if you don't think you can afford one. I can elaborate, but they're pretty obvious. I mean, I cheaped out for a few years and waited on my business coach because I didn't want to spend the five or six grand. It was a day and I didn't want to take the time out of my practice. Um, and I never knew my numbers. And now I live by the numbers. I'm addicted to the numbers. everything I do. I won't make a decision without looking at the numbers. And it's just such a foreign concept. And I don't care if they can afford the, this book or not. I don't care if they can't afford a business coach. They can still know their numbers. Every number. How many phone calls are you getting a week? How many new calls? How many signed leads? What's your average case? How long does it take between you open it and close it? Et cetera. I mean, there's thousands of numbers you can track. Every firm's going to be a little different. And start writing them down. Start tracking them. Look for trends. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're taking 20 calls a week and then a couple months later, 19, 18, 17, 16, if you look, you'll know you can't just keep doing what you're doing. Think of it as a, as a fire, uh, think of this, the, this jumbotron as a fire alarm. If you got a little baby fire, they're easy to put out with a cup of water. But if you ignore it for a year and a half, you got a three alarm fire and a huge blaze and you need three fire departments to put it out. And the jumbotron will act as a fire detector, smoke detector, because it'll tell you when there's issues. I have people call me buddies from law school. We'll have lunch. They'll say, I'm, 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 my business is dying. I don't know what's going on. All the guys on TV are taking all the cases. And my first, what's your first question, Nick? How long has this been going on, right? I don't know. Well, what's your best guess? Maybe a year, year and a half. And I said, you're just coming to me now? Had you noticed, I, I have a goal, how many calls I want a week, how many cases I want to sign up a week. And it fluctuates a little bit, right? But if I'm ever seeing this after two weeks, I'm like, okay, what's going on, people? Let's check the TV numbers. Let's check the internet numbers. Let's check the phone. Let's da 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 da, da. If it's going up, eh, I don't have to check much. I can go to the next issue. But how will I know if I'm not looking every week at the numbers? That's one tiny example. Um, but I, I implore listeners to, to dive in, know your numbers, and y y you'll, never, you'll never look back. I think, I think that's the best place to start. I like that you said that. Is because a lot of people, especially if you're out on your own, 
or or you feel stuck it's you don't really know what to do next it's hard to make a decision without having all the facts and so if you know your numbers or if you don't know your numbers you should go and and try to compile them you know it, I I don't imagine that it's that hard but even if you're doing well like you said like even if I see this going up like and I don't have anything better to do maybe I'm looking at why maybe I could do something more of what's making it go up you know if I have room to grow um but there's just so much stuff that you could do with data and 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 so I want to we kind of already covered that let's let's talk about what's why would attorneys be wise to pick up a copy of your book what what are the what are, what's the what's the quick elevator pitch on why they should pick up fireproof well it's a five-step model to take your law firm from unpredictable to wildly profitable. If they don't know where their next case is coming from, they don't know how much money they're going to make this year, they don't know what their numbers are, and they're just stressed because of it. If they, if they read this book, this easy 200-plus page book, and they start adopting some of the principles, I believe that their firm will become profitable, predictable, and it's going to free up the lawyers to do the things that they love to do while being predictable, working less, making more. I mean, it's a win-win all the way around. And if they don't like the book, I'll refund their money. I haven't had one negative person say they didn't learn something from the book. It's not about making money. Every dime you make, Nick, from this book is going to charity. We gave 28,000 backpacks away this last Saturday to the kids in Detroit. I mean, this isn't a money play. This is just a fun um, teaching play. Um, it is turning into a little bit of a consulting gig, but all the money from the consulting is going to charity too. Um, but we're helping law firms get their jumbotron set up and teaching them how to have good meetings and teaching them how to set vision and core values and how to know who to hire and when to fire and how to market better and advertise better, which is something that I love, love to do. People can, if they want to see my commercials, can go to our YouTube channel at Mike Morse Law Firm on YouTube. Um, people, you know, we win lots of awards on our, on our TV commercials. People are going nuts for the new one. This is called The Masked Man. It's in black and white. If you haven't seen it, Nick, you should check it out. It's a I'm going to check it out. Um, but I'm getting 10 emails a day from strangers telling them how much I like my legal ads. So, and you could ask all your friends who are lawyers on TV, do they get emails like that? I promise you they don't. It's just doing it differently. It's having fun. It's finding what works for me um, and, and doing it. And, and that's, that's what we're doing. And, and we're having a blast doing it. You know, it's, it's funny to me because uh, like I don't own my own business, right? Um, I'm pretty high up here, but but I don't run my own business. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have to sort of have guesswork at what I'm going to make in a year. You know, like they, they tell me at the start of the year, here's what we're paying you. And, and I don't worry about it. And so I've never, until I read the book, I never thought that people who own their own business really worry about what they're going to make a year. And I got to imagine that if you don't know how much you're going to make and, and you're flying blind in that way, it's really stressful. And uh, I was actually getting my hair cut. I've been friends with my barber for so long. And uh, he's talking about he, he doesn't want to be a barber anymore. Um, he's going back to school. He's going into, he's going to like estimate and bid on construction jobs. And he knows a lot of people in the industry and that's how he got into it. But he's like, yeah, man, like, you know, during COVID, especially 
you know, I, I didn't know how much I was going to make in a year. This is much more stable. And I was like, oh, but you don't want to work for yourself. You don't want to do that. But it's not about that. It's about stability. People want to know, you know, how, what they're going to be able to do in a year. Am I going to be able to go on vacation? Am I going to be able to, you know, take my wife out to dinner? Am I going to be able to, you know, go travel and see my parents? All this sorts of stuff. And you want to know. People crave certainty. And I think that a lot of what you're preaching in this book gives lawyers. These are people who, who don't have a lot of certainty because they don't know how to give themselves that certainty. And, and you're really helping them just ease that, ease that anxiety that they have, you know? And uh, so yeah. I'm going to put a bunch of links, right? There's the 855mikewins.com um, with the slash. And then it's, there's a link to creating your own Jumbotron. Uh, Mike, if you're cool with it, I'm going to leave them a link, uh, 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 your email address. They can get in contact with you. Um, and I'm going to leave a link to the book. Obviously, you can buy it online. I read it on the online. You can get a paperback or you can get a hardcover. Uh, it's really, it's such a good book. Seriously, if you do one thing to treat yourself like this entire rest of this year, you, ha- you should read this book. I read it. I'm not a lawyer. And it made me happy. You know, I read it in my spare time at home. It's not like a work project for me. I loved it. And uh, I'm so glad to hear it's going to charity. That makes me even happier. But uh, is there anything else that, that you want to add before we, before we jump know, off here? Listen, I appreciate you and I appreciate your listeners. And uh, yeah, reach out to us. We just want to make the law firms better. Um, if you have any questions about the book or you need any handholding throughout the book, we're trying to set up some programs where we can help all types of firms, bankruptcy firms and family law firms. And this applies to everybody. And we're, we're just here to help. And uh, Love, love doing this podcast, and thanks, thanks again for having me. Thanks so much for being on. I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Everybody, Mike Morse, 855-MikeWins.com. And, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs>